live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, greetings. Welcome in on a Monday morning. Monday morning at uh, November 15, 2021, 608, 45 degrees in the capital city. Welcome to LNK Today with Jack and Friends. I am Jack Mitchell. On my right is Caleb Henry. Across the hall in the newsroom is Mark Vale. Chris Lofkin, Time Saver Traffic, joins us shortly, and we are ready to put on a show for you for the next three hours. Sit down, enjoy, or stand up and enjoy. Get ready for work or school today. Whatever I thought you, you were going to be like, sit down and shut up. We've no, got the show. Well, you don't have to shut up. Okay. You, can, you can text in. You can, uh, you can, it's, it's, what's the nice thing about the show is it's interactive. We have a Rick Stein recognition text line that is Open around the clock, 24-7, uh, including from 6 to 9 throughout the show. You can text us in. You can converse with us. You can ask us questions. You can tell us what you think. Sometimes that, sometimes I'll text back with you during the course of the show. That thing is 24-7, though, because yesterday I got a text asking about what what stations the women's sports were on I saw yesterday. That. There, yeah. and, and volleyball was over on B, and obviously we had women's basketball here on KLIN. So. It was a, it was a text you said, is anybody there right now? And uh, that's not really how it works. Uh, it comes to our phones no matter where we are. Wherever we are, Wherever worldwide. We are. So, uh, But nonetheless, got, got them straightened out and uh, got, you d- got uh, the listener to... To the volleyball and the basketball games uh, that he was looking for. Good morning, Mark. How was your weekend? Greetings. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. Saw a bunch of your buses out at the grocery store over the weekend. What the heck were they doing there? At the grocery store. Yeah, they're at the grocery store, I and have, I was on the way out of town on Friday on Saturday. I, I have no idea. All right, just I, like I two was, or three of them. I was in Minnesota. No, that's right. You were in Minnesota. Uh, I was in. Uh, I was in uh, Northwest Iowa. At least for Saturday and Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, doing the first, um, well, it's not the first. We already did UNL, but doing the old college visits with the, with oh, the yeah. junior and high school in my family. That's good. Time to start meeting with the admissions people and taking some tours and back to your alma mater. Out, yeah. Went back, went back to my alma mater. Wanted to give a look at a, like a big school with UNL here and then kind of a smaller school. Just as a baseline thing to start from there and mm-hmm. see if one is obviously more what we're looking for than the other, and then kind of go for the from there for the options. So, uh, and and you know what, it held true, Mark, and you knew this, noticed this in Minnesota, I'm sure. But you get in Northwest Iowa, you get just a little north of here, doesn't make a big difference. But the difference between Lincoln and Sioux City or Omaha and Sioux City is about 15 degrees and yep. snow on the ground and about 10 miles an hour wind out of the north. Yep. Every time. You just count on it. <laughs> just count on it. Well, there's not much snow in July. but That's true. That's true. But once you get into uh, November and later, yeah. they add snow on the ground there. Um, there were flurries. Yeah, we had flurries here. Yeah, yeah we had flurries really? this Friday morning. Mm-hmm. And I had flurries up in Minnesota on Friday afternoon and Saturday. Because yeah. it was flurrying when I was driving over to uh, the to your neighborhood, the 70th and Pioneers High V. Oh yeah, yep. You were. I know. I went. I came and saw Caleb there during the turkey. You drive. did. We we stood and we watched the uh, that seasons video with yeah, all of their did. recipes. Did you get some good donations? <laughs> yeah, uh, during yeah, the course of the day. Yeah, it was really good. Um, obviously, I was I was early on, but I know we were over five six hundred by the time I left. So okay, th- so things were rolling pretty well before uh, Brooke, who's on the morning over on B, she came. 
came in and took over. Yeah, and uh, well, I'm, I'm sure she probably got a lot more than you because she's a lot prettier than you. Are. She is, and I listened to her call in. I was like, man, she's better at this than me. <laughs> she's just better at that. That's all right. <laughs> well, we're glad. I did have people stop in and say hello, though. So that people was that, that was fun. Thanks, yeah. listeners, KLIN yeah. listeners. Awesome. Awesome. I know it was it was a busy day out there, and the funny thing is, um, so Nate, who's the the manager out there at Hive, mm-hmm. was was standing. He was on the air with us last week, and he was kind of standing with you and greeting all the shoppers. Caleb, you got to see firsthand because I went and saw Caleb while he was out there. I had to go get some groceries. And I'm like, I'll go hang out there at the Turkey Drive for a while, um, and and so I'm talking to Nate and Caleb, but I was dorking out. Caleb with Nate because I am such a grocery dork and I <laughs> like I was I was trying to get all of the inside scoop on the grocery world and prices and deals and runs on certain things right I, I was asking all of those when Were you, you? Okay. he he is the reason that I went and made my my buy a ham get a turkey because he said that they're worried too that they're going to run out sooner than than normal okay. on, on the turkeys because you if you buy a hand you get a free turkey okay. they do that deal every year and he was like yeah we're worried we're gonna run out i was like well i'm buying mine now then you were on it that was good i know so i grocery nerded out for a while <laughs> while we were uh getting donations but bottom line is uh we were hoping we really put a, a dent in the need level for the salvation army as they provide mm-hmm. turkeys and and other holiday food for uh for baskets they put together for the people who request them with the Salvation Army. So I appreciate the generosity of all the listeners there. Um, uh, Speaking of which, we've got the old, uh, in in my family, we're going up to some extended family in Grand Island for Thanksgiving. We've got the old Google Doc going on who's bringing what for Thanksgiving. (laughs) You do it. You do it the high-tech way. Yeah, we do it the high-tech way. I I don't know that we've done this in the the past, but that's been a a big conversation. It's not assigned. Everyone kind of volunteers. Which you know makes for an interesting situation. So you're so are you taking to, the green bean casserole. Well, that's the thing. I was going to. I could have. Somebody else. I can do that, but we got to drive it up to. Oh, gotta, yeah. We got to drive it up for you know whatever an hour and twenty minutes to to get there to Grand Island. So I wanted something that you didn't need to bake beforehand or after. So I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm still I'm still kind of figuring out my niche. You're just here. gonna take the King's Hawaiian rolls, aren't you? Yeah, that'd say, be hey, good. Like, when we get there, can we just pop these in the oven? Just gonna bring a, a bag minutes. of chips, maybe. I don't know. But the problem is, I'm not a I'm not a pie maker. I'm not bringing a pie. Like at least that's homemade. It's I just the the you know the the pie maker or what is it the, the pie shop out west that shows up in all the grocery stores around here. Their pumpkin pie is just uh, stuffers. No, uh, no, they're 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 frozen in the uh, in the grocery store. Uh, okay. I can never remember okay. the name of now them. I'm curious. Some, somebody can somebody will text it in the pie shop or something like that. Anyway, those are really good. See, that's the thing. If I did pie, I'd, I'm not making a pie. I just I make a lot of things, but I don't. I have no experience. I have no desire to uh, to make a pie. So if I get that, but I, I'm looking for. Things that travel well, and Caleb's right. Just the bag of the bag of rolls is Jello. Uh, okay, with, with number one, no lime, it, lime Jello with uh, uh, shredded carrots. In. <laughs> oh man, I was telling my kids about that once that we really had that, and they were disgusted. And I said I was too, but they still did it. They still did it all the time. 
All right. Uh, so that's what's kind of going on in our in our lives right now, and, and maybe yours as well. Uh, Mark, what's uh, what's headline of the Monday morning? Well, they came out with the casino rules and yes. uh, the license costs, uh, mere one million dollars, which is actually low. I understand. Uh, compared to some other states, could, could be. It yes. sure doesn't seem low to me. But <laughs> by the way, but village is pi- a, village pie maker. Thank you. According to Cool Keith. Yes, that's it. Thank you, Keith. Uh, but that that's a twenty year license, so it's fifty grand a year, which yeah, I guess is not all that. I mean, that's that hey, sounds real. That's that's what a day. Oh, what's the handle there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm sure a day is way more than fifty grand. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, but whether like, pulling in, like you're covering that. We'll see. <laughs> Well, it'd be a lot more than that if you bet on Nebraska home games, but nonetheless. Uh, oh, like Nebraska Creighton tomorrow night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's... Um, drive across the bridge and <laughs> place your wager. So they had to kind of put together, to do that, they had to kind of put together the language that was in the voter referendum that the voters approved and then the stuff that wasn't in there as well. Right. And and what they did is they got a consulting firm uh, that helped them with it, and they took what they thought were the, the best if you will, the best uh, rules at surrounding states and then drafted their own. Okay. All right. Now, all the, there's six horse tracks in the state. All have indicated they're going to build casinos. Right. It's Lincoln, Omaha, South Sioux City, Columbus, Grand Island, and Hastings. So those six are, are planning on it for sure. Yep. And there are six additional proposals for racetracks. Which would then be able to add casinos. That's Bellevue, Garing, Kimball, Norfolk, North Platte, and York. York. Right down the street. York. York's trying to compete with the uh, with the war horse, huh? They're yep. going to give it a shot. By the way, Mark, it, you started something. Everyone is texting in Village, village Pie, Pie Maker. Maker. Yep. We've got all the people who are on streaming now who are, <laughs> who are, caught up. Who are 60 seconds behind and just a deluge I, I just, of Village I'm, Pie Maker. I just could not think of it. Thank, thank you, Texter. Everyone else good. Okay. All right. We got that. Uh, I think uh, Patty Panting Brooks is uh, declaring her candidacy, to, candidacy today. That's no secret for... The House race. Meanwhile, on the Republican side, it looks like the Fortenberry trial is going to be pushed until February, yep. which is going to put him right up against any filing deadline—a filing deadline that would come during that month as an incumbent for that race if he is in fact running for it. And so, what exactly happens there? Is he is he still going to run? Um, or is somebody else going to get in that race? There still hasn't been another name. There's been speculation uh, about it. And so it, it, it's kind of interesting because how rare is it that you've got this, where you've got the Democrat who's jumping in the race and you don't know for sure the Republican she is going to be going against. Not something that you would normally see in a Nebraska House race. But nonetheless, we've got that going on. You guys tracking these uh, state senators who are going up Mount Kilimanjaro? I've watched, I've read a little bit about them. So they must be, they're calling Don Walton on a satellite phone and giving him uh, an update. I think Tom Brewer is calling him on a satellite phone and giving him an update every time. Uh, Sounded like they were in fog most of, uh, what yeah, was it, it, Friday or Saturday? I'm going to be so, honest. I did a I did a pretty high-level hiking trek in Wyoming a couple of summers ago. Uh, you guys remember that? Yep. And uh, and that was enough. And, and, like, really rustic camping that went along with that. I don't know how that compares. 
I understand. I'm sure the the hiking doesn't compare to what they're doing um, at at Kilimanjaro, but that sounds terrible. <laughs> Long story short, sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You couldn't get me up there. Well, you could get me up there with a well-equipped helicopter, <laughs> but My I'm not getting out. And it was. Uh, they said I, I was reading uh, Walton's piece this weekend, and he said it was. Uh, uh, you know, they're hiking in like 30 and 40 degree weather for the most part. It's going to get colder. They've got a night hike up there. Uh, that sounds terrifying. Yes. <laughs> well, let's just hope for the best. Is there a, is there a video crew with them? Uh, th- that's what it sounded like from Walton, one of Walton's stories. Are we getting a documentary on this thing? About how a ragtag group of a bipartisan states, a bipartisan group, group of Different ages all got together, and is this going to change Nebraska government, you guys? Is this it? Are we going to come back, and the Kilimanjaro crew is going to be brokering deals left and right? Property tax is going to be solved by, like, January 10th? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know when the session starts, but... And we're all going to be like, it was that now, and then it's going to be a required bipartisan trip. You guys, every year we got to send a bipartisan group to Kilimanjaro and scale it together. And, and every session that that opens with a, a prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance, they're all going to sing Kumbaya. I, it, in, in all honesty, I, <laughs> spending time, real lifetime with people you disagree with is probably the most, is the, probably the best thing that we could do right now. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's probably the best, most productive thing that we could do as where you're not seeing them in the regular settings that you see them every day and you really get to know who they are. I mean, I hate to be too corny about the thing. Now, maybe not, you know, not Kilimanjaro or uh, something like that, but, you know, just uh, a hike at Mahoney. No, you got to put them in place where it is truly stressing you out, though. So uh, I do. I I know I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek joking about this thing, but I think it's cool uh, that they are doing it, and I'm really glad I'm not there. There's, what, four or six of them? Uh, So it is uh, Justin Wayne um, from Omaha. It is Anna Wishart. It is Tom Brewer. It is uh, uh, Senator Merman, and and Ben Hansen of Blair. So five. So five of them. Merman of Glenville. That's the the crew. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Anyway. All right, and uh, Nebraska, well, let's see. We had a good day for volleyball and women's basketball yesterday. Right. Um, and volleyball started out slow, but but they ended up rolling. In general, like um, it, it was a good weekend for Huskers. Going, going back through the thing, yeah, the Nebraska men's basketball played a, another half like they did last week, oh. uh, but ended up pulling got, together in the second got half. Got to win. That's what matters. Up, and then um, and then volleyball beat Maryland, but the story of that had to do with, uh, the, national anthem with the national anthem, which right. I'm sure you've, you've heard plenty about right mm-hmm. now. That kind of took over the entire weekend in, in sports stories. Yeah, it, it really did. Apparently a uh, uh, a Maryland player knelt for the national anthem. She's been doing that since last season, and some folks uh, from the crowd were yelling at her, and it apparently rattled the Nebraska volleyball team. Coach John Cook talked about it after the game immediately in his post game as well. So that became the the prevailing story became from national story. Yeah, from the uh, from the Nebraska sweep mm-hmm. as Nebraska had a get right game, but that wasn't the 
that's not where, where the narrative was mm-hmm. going out of there. And then Nebraska bounced back again. And that was all it. happening while we were here doing the pregame and for I, Nebraska I basketball. I didn't even realize Right, that, so, but, so uh, we, we both missed initially mm-hmm. what even was happening until yeah. um, there was some good reporting on it. And uh, it's Nebraska-Wisconsin week, which means a new week of Fantasy Oscars coming up in 10 minutes. Uh, we'll get into that. And uh, Wisconsin's as hot as they've been all year, of course. And for right, but at not the only right does time. Nebraska have a knack of just having a hard schedule this year, the teams are just red hot when Nebraska <laughs> seems to play them. But nonetheless, got Wisconsin coming up this week, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about more about that here later in the show. All right, Fantasy Esther is coming up in 10 minutes. Listen for that. You are listening to Lincoln News and Talk, 1499 KLIN. It's the weekly fantasy draft that could win you a whole lot more. Time to play Fantasy Huskers on LNK Today with Jack and Friends. LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. It is time to play Fantasy Huskers. But first, we got a little business to do from last week. We did our basketball edition of Fantasy Huskers last week because we were in by week number two. And uh, we wanted to promote Husker basketball a little bit. We asked you last week how many points would Nebraska score against Sam Houston State? <laughs> Caleb and I were, uh, we were texting our lament about that Nebraska basketball game from across Pinnacle Bank Arena <laughs> yes, we were. on Friday. <laughs> uh, that, oh, man. They did, they did hang on, but the lower end of the scoring predictions had it. Nebraska scores 74 points. They do get the win, and that means John, who made a pick Tuesday afternoon on drive time, Lincoln, with the commander, uh, got the closest. He said 76, one point away. Sorry, Deb. Deb was at 71, but 74 is closer to 76 than 71. And so John is our winner. He picks up the prize package, $50 to Valentino's, one-night stay at the Cornhusker Marriott, and a free round of golf at Adventure Golf, which you can hang on to that to the to the spring if you'd like to, uh, but uh, they'll be open on some of those nice days. Heck, it's going to be in the uh, the seventies the next two days. So, congratulations to John. John, we're going to contact you to get you hooked up with your prize pack. That leaves us, guys, two more weeks. Two more weeks only in fantasy Huskers, and so we got Wisconsin week, and then we have a short Iowa week. So you may you you're gonna have uh, fewer chances than normal to qualify. No, I think I think we'll find a way to get. We'll still get ten. We're gonna days. find a way to get ten in there. Fewer days than normal yeah. is, is what I should say. But this is a normal week. This is Wisconsin. We have a football uh, game again this week, and so since Wisconsin is so known, it's just you just are are like I feel like announcers are contractually obliged to talk about Wisconsin's. Big offensive line and physicality and how much they love to run the ball. You've got to always talk about it. I feel like we've got to go that way. But Nebraska's defense has been doing pretty good against the run this year. So, I don't know if it's quite the irresistible force meets the immovable object, but let's say it's something close to that. I mean, they've had leaky games 
Yeah, but for the and most Wisconsin's part, Wisconsin's offense has also looked like garbage, right? During portions of the year as well, <laughs> uh, more so than Nebraska's defense has by mm-hmm. far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, how many rushing yards does Nebraska against, uh, or excuse me, does Wisconsin pick up against the Nebraska Blackshirts? Now, Caleb, you ran some of the stats here just to give people an idea where we're at, and, and maybe this will help Todd a little bit out with the first pick since I popped this on him here. What can you tell us about on average what these two? Well, teams Nebraska's have done? defense is giving. Up 132 yards a game on the ground. Wow, that's really good. Wisconsin is gaining 227 a game on yeah, the ground. 100 yard gap there. So, okay. somewhere between those is probably what you're looking at. Probably. But again, the extremes often win this game. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. Todd can do whatever he wants, though. He's color 14, and he has earned that right to be the first picker this week on Fantasy Huskers Staycation Edition. Hi, Todd. How are you doing? Good morning, guys. Doing great. Good. All right. Well, we kind of talked it out and gave you a little time to think about it. Uh, I know we popped this on you, but uh, what's your thought here for uh, rushing yards for Wisconsin against Nebraska? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they've gone against some pretty good rushing teams um, and did fairly well. Yep. Let's roll the number... 179 out. 179. Kind of in between those two average. All right. Todd, we got you down for a 179. Uh, best of luck and uh, enjoy the game, all right? Thanks, guys. There you go. All right. Todd is in at 179. And with that, we turn the page to the sound off. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the sound off on LNK Today. Oh. All right, let's jump in to our sound off today. What do we got going on this week? We talked about a lot of the local news here this morning. What is going to be making news nationally and internationally this week? Well, they haven't signed the infrastructure bill yet, by the way. But even though they passed it, sounds like that's happening. You're saying we got through infrastructure week without the infrastructure bill? Which That's the question. What was infrastructure week? The week that they passed infrastructure (laughs) or the week that they signed infrastructure or the week that they vote on the infrastructure bill that some people say is not infrastructure, but they're calling it an infrastructure bill? Is that confusing enough for you? What is Independence Day? Was it the day that they drafted the Declaration of Independence? Was it when it was signed? Is it when it was delivered? It's July 4th, always. Okay, okay. You, you just shut up about <laughs> yeah. that. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> anyway, it looks like uh, they're going to sign this uh, infrastructure bill today and uh, start going forward. Tomorrow is a big day for President Biden as he signs his uh, bipartisan infrastructure package into law. It's something the White House has been touting for several times, but the White House is acutely aware of this supply chain crisis that continues to manifest itself uh, that's been going on for several weeks and it looks like it's not going to be ending anytime soon. The president says the answer to some of these issues, namely inflation, is his Build Back Better social spending bill. Still has not passed yet. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is delaying the Senate vote on Build Back Better because it's just not come up yet in the House and more importantly perhaps there's just no score from the Congressional Budget Office to illustrate the exact cost. Yeah, there they're waiting for that CBO score that's going to, I think, determine uh, you know, whether or not you're going to be able to get those votes in the Senate. You probably have them in, in the House, but I guess I'm not totally sure about that. But that's one of the big things there. And that that's the big debate I, I feel like I, I heard a lot this weekend was what will the impact of 
of not only that the social spending bill, but also the infrastructure uh, bill that he's going to sign today. What will be the impact on inflation of those, and how does that play into whether people are for or against it? Now, I know in that clip he said um, the supply chain backlog isn't going away, but it may be easing a bit right now. Let's hear more about that. There's a sign the first leg of the supply chain is easing. The Wall Street Journal says the cost to move a container across the Pacific fell by more than one quarter last week. The peak shipping season usually starts in August when cargo is moved for the holiday season. This is an indication most of those products are now on the way. Though the log jam of ships outside U.S. ports is expected to continue for months. Big retailers, Walmart, Amazon, and Home Depot account for about a quarter of all imports that sail into the West Coast. Ginny Cosola, Fox News. You know, it's interesting. The first time I've noticed it a couple of times now locally, and, and, and I'm sure you guys have too in, in different spots. Um, went, uh, family went to a restaurant, a chain restaurant here in town, and they were out of bread, and they specialize in sandwiches. Right. So that was, that was problematic. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just put it on my hand? Um, <laughs> um, I guess, did, what, what else you guys got? Can you just put it on some lettuce? Yeah. Maybe? We'll just wrap it up? Yeah. I did those when I was on keto. Not as satisfying as a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, I also I also know I did notice it more at the grocery store here in the last week or or so just with a couple of weird like weird things though like a type of yogurt my wife likes and um, a couple other random things that that were out there but nonetheless um, sounds like there may be maybe a, a good good optimism there as it pertains to the supply chain backlog now we we use the online shopping a lot yeah so so we we know it's just so much more convenient because then we can and then just, you just drive up to get it yeah but so so the the hy here on o street they had this kind of like temporary building and not long ago they got a, a, a permanent building fixed in over there it's so nice because we we pull up and they just walk out ask who you're picking up for i'd say it's for caleb open up the uh the back hatch on our jeep and they just come out with the containers they just load up the back they say you're good to go they close it up and you drive away (laughs) uh but it's we've noticed the items being missing because we're getting we've had a lot of texts where we're out of this item would you like this instead we're out of this Mm -hmm. would you like this instead um there's been a lot of those yeah, I'm looking forward to when everything is 100% so, in stock. It's interesting because uh, I'm the family's grocery shopper. I also, just because I was somewhat bored and wanted to help out during the the very beginning of, of COVID when people were not going out at all, mm-hmm. I... Uh, and I had time. I started shopping for Instacart. Yeah, because <laughs> I wanted to. I just wanted to see what it was like, and I wanted to do something. I thought I was sort of helping when when I did that. And I'm pretty good at knowing what's where at the grocery store. I thought I could be pretty efficient at it. Mm-hmm. But that time in you know when that was that was probably like April, maybe into May of of 2020. It was way worse then than it is now. Yeah. Like, it was really bad then. Okay. With a whole lot of different things. And so, you're right. Every time, you got to go through and you got to be like, okay, they didn't have this. Do you want this instead? And then you're basically sitting there texting people mm-hmm. constantly. And, and it's probably the same thing that you get there. But 
anyway, nonetheless, hopefully uh, good news long term for some of those shortage issues. Now, uh, we are on the last full week before Thanksgiving. Right. I talked about this at the beginning. People starting to think about the holidays, Birthday the menus, week. the travel. That's going to go along. By the way, I don't see that snow at the beginning of next week that Dr. Dewey was talking about. So Can't trust him. Knock on Time to turn to the Farmer's Almanac. Man, you're going to make him rage. <laughs> uh, but but nonetheless, you've got that. Now, a lot of people didn't do an extended uh, family Thanksgiving last year because pre-vaccine, things were... You remember how bad things mm-hmm. were one, one year ago uh, with hospital capacity. Uh, like, I mean, that was the, the peak of the concern mm-hmm. about that was right around Thanksgiving last year. It is a different situation this year with not only vaccinations, um, you know, numbers aren't perfect, but they are a lot better than where you were uh, a year ago as well. So what do holiday get togethers look like this year? Will they look mostly normal for the most part? Are people still going to be cautious in some ways? A study out from Ohio State University purports fewer Americans will ask holiday guests to wear masks this year than who did last year, but that plenty still will. The university's Wexner Medical Center surveyed more than 2,000 people. In 2020 at Thanksgiving, 67% of those surveyed demanded guests wear masks, though this year only only half will, but this year half would inquire of guests' vaccine status and ask unvaccinated invitees to show a negative COVID test result. Yet just like last year, roughly three-quarters of them would not have guests celebrating only with household members. Hmm. Eben Brown, Fox News. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like I probably was on... And the people that I associated with are probably lean a little bit more safe than not than you know, a little bit more aggressive in safety than maybe the the average person. But like, I have people inside my house now, very normally at this point. Yeah, I, I, I don't even think right? I don't even think twice about that now. We've had people over lots of times. Yeah, here's how I, I wouldn't treat Thanksgiving any any different than that with my extended family but it's it's just interesting to see that that's still a thing with some people but at this I'm, i mean i'm nowhere near where i would have been a year ago no it, with it, this whole thing. it's not really part of the conversation when we're looking at planning holidays this month and next month right yeah you we've done stuff socially with our families together right. and haven't even you know thought about it at all and so it's it's a little it's a little odd to hear that that's happening. Mm-hmm. I got to quit hitting the table. I'm making a noise. When are are you hearing it? Now? I just heard it now. That is, I'm sorry if that's annoying to people. I've got a history or a habit of hitting the table, and it's apparently making a noise. Uh, now in Europe, different story. Numbers going up in Europe, and evidently they're talking about going back down to lockdowns. Austria's leader says he'll hold talks with state governors today about imposing tough restrictions on people who haven't been vaccinated against COVID-19. Around 65% of Austria's population has been inoculated. That's low by Western European standards and hospitals have reported coming under strain. Unvaccinated people would be ordered to stay at home unless they're working, shopping or taking exercise. In London, Simon Owen, Fox News. Oh, man, how would that go over here? Ooh, it probably doesn't go over that well there either, but can you imagine a lockdown only for the unvaccinated? How's about we don't? That would be... Yeesh. So this is interesting. Let's get out of that here for uh, (laughs) for a second. 
who who remembers watching the show Happy Days? Um, well, you were just singing. About I was singing it. it because I was reading about it, and that that's why. I, now I remember it from when I was a kid. It was on in, I don't know if it was on in syndication when I was a kid or it was the actual version of the show. But of course, what I didn't get was, I think I thought it was a show from the 50s. I didn't realize it was a show from the early 80s about the 50s. Okay. I, I thought it was, I thought it originated, I thought everything that it was doing was... Of the time, but it's actually a That's throwback. how you know they did a really good job. Well, then, I, you know? I was a kid, so I didn't know no. any better. But no, that's how you know. Evidently, if you're a big fan of the show, you might have forgotten this character. Irish-American actor Gavin O'Herlihy played Richie Cunningham's older brother, Chuck. Dad, I gotta practice. See, I'm changing my free throw from an underhand to an overhand. Looks better for the fans. Oh, well, then you're excused, Chuck. I certainly wouldn't want to disappoint your fans. But O'Hurley, who died this year at the age of 70, played Chuck for less than a full season. The actor wanted out and was replaced by Randolph Roberts. But even then, you may not remember Chuck. Producer Gary Marshall decided the character wasn't needed. The fawn served a similar function. And so, the oldest son in the Cunningham family was simply written out of the script after the first season, never to be heard from again. Roger Stern, Fox News. It's always weird when characters in TV shows just kind of disappear without it being a big part of the uh, of the storyline. And like they never explain it. I, well, I remember... That didn't happen, but they changed actors. Do you remember the? Well, I'm sure people remember this. The show Roseanne, and the the older daughter, the the blonde daughter. They had the original actress who did it. Then they went. Then she left the show, and they brought in another blonde actress who ended up being the I don't know any other names, but who ended up being <laughs> one of the leads on Scrubs. Yeah, the the blonde who was the lead on Scrubs. Oh, okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about. And that. then they brought back the original. Is it Becky? They they brought her back. After that again, and then they alluded to it in the first episode constantly. Every time she walked in the room, they've been like, where the heck have you been? <laughs> Every single time. So, But they brought her back. And then I think she's part of the Connors now. That is still going oh, that's on. that's right. I forget that. Still ha- a thing. Ha- happy Days is where we got the term Jump the Shark. J- Jump the Shark came from um, Happy Days. And because I didn't grow up watching Happy Days when I would see reruns, Anytime I would see the Fonz, because Henry Winkler, yes, I would go, hey, that's the coach from Waterboy. That's the funniest thing. <laughs> that's the funniest thing is that Henry Winkler, that, that's the Fonz. Ran 74 to 84 for 11. Jeez, that was a long time. So late 70s and early 80s. So I pro- probably was watching the original the the original run ones in the mm-hmm. early eighties that I'm I'm thinking of, hey. but I thought I was watching a rerun of something from the fifties at the time. It wasn't F Troop. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last but not least, the movie theaters. What won out the week at the weekend box office? Eternals with twenty seven and a half million dollars in ticket sales, which is a more than sixty percent drop from its opening weekend, nipping at its heels. A big red dog. <laughs> Clifford bounding into theaters with a $16.4 million weekend take. Analysts calling that a solid debut, despite mediocre reviews. Dune settles into third place on the weekend charts, selling $5.5 million worth of tickets. Kathleen Maloney, Fox News. Do you, does your daughter have any Clifford books? None. None yet? Okay. None. 
It's weird. Clifford, you know, Clifford's the big red dog. Of yeah. course, he's the huge dog. But they also have stories in the Clifford series where, like, before Clifford got freakishly large and he's just a a, a regular dog. Just a and puppy. I, I was like, that's not, I'm not interested in that part of Clifford's life. That's a very uninteresting part of Clifford's life. I don't. I want to like, know what happened after he licked the dog bowl that had touched the toxic waste. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't need to know. But I mean, that's just like a that's like a big book on Clark Kent. Just you know, going to work every day. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. What happened at the Daily Planet? Really? <laughs> I mean, it's just like eh, Clifford went for a walk. He's a regular sized dog. Nothing too. Notable about him, you know. A couple years later, he'll balloon to eight hundred pounds. But for the time being, just to scientists are about find... to be baffled. But for right now, he just wants a nap. All right, it's six fifty-six. We'll take a break. It's LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. All right, seven oh nine. Welcome back, LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Monday mornings at seven ten. We we normally are discussing the uh, football game from a Saturday before. We didn't have one here. Well, time this to dive week, into some but, Kansas football. Gonna let you guys. know. Uh, man, how uh, <laughs> if you can't have a Nebraska win on a Saturday? Is that the second best thing? Is watching Kansas rip the heart out of Texas in <laughs> overtime? With a walk-on fullback. So Texas, we, that is awesome. Like the modern-day Rudy, who had never played an offensive snap and only ran out there because there was an injury. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Did you see the video of his family his reacting family to was, it? And they're like, was that Jared? <laughs> that was him? That was fantastic. Those things are so much fun to watch. Here's this thought. So Texas, when they played Oklahoma in the uh, Red River rivalry, they were winning at halftime. Right. And at the time, they were ranked pretty good, and they're 4-2. and two. They're now four or four and one, four and two, whatever it was. They've now lost five in a row. Have not really been that competitive to to getting off the snide. Right, right. And they got the new hot coach uh, when they made a change too in Sarkeesian. Paid him a pretty paid Sark paid, a pretty yeah, penny. Paid paid a lot of money. So yeah, that was. Uh, I, I'm telling you, like I said. If if you can't watch a Nebraska win on a Saturday, that's a real close second to be able to uh, to see. In Kansas, those numbers were insane to me. Kansas hadn't won a home game since two thousand eight. Was it? It's just, or excuse me, a road game since two thousand eight in the Big Twelve. Right. There are. There's only a couple of teams that Kansas has beaten multiple times over the last decade, and Texas is one of them. Yeah. That is. It, it's, uh, in, it's incredible. That is something. Well, as for Nebraska, we uh, we finally can talk about a game this week. It's good. It seems like it seems like uh, months have passed since the last time we were just talking about a game. It has been an eventful week in Nebraska football, and we've talked about kind of the 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 off the field stuff for most of the last week. Now you get to the point here with two games left. And a, I mean, let's be honest, a makeshift coaching staff that is going to go in against Wisconsin, who, oh, okay, Wisconsin, who, I mean, objectively looked terrible for a while this year. I don't think that's me just hating on Wisconsin. No, early in the year, Their they did offense look good. was absolutely inept for the, I mean, you guys, did you watch that Notre Dame game when they played Notre Dame? They, they 
that wasn't it either. They just had problems this year. But they have turned that around at Wisconsin, and they've looked pretty good over the course of of the last several um, over the course of the last several weeks. And so I want to get into that here in just a second and the implications of all of that. But first, uh, we're going to do our uh, weekly check in with Pastor Tom of the People City Mission. He joins us right now. Good morning, Pastor Tom. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing pretty good. Thanks. Good. Uh, d- tell us a little bit about what's uh, what's going on at the mission right now. Sure. Well, we're getting ready for Starry Nights. I know we've talked about it before. Yeah. But, you know, Jack, it's right around the corner. It's going to be on the 24th, 26th, 27th, 28th. That's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday right after. And uh, we've got dozens of uh, trees. If people haven't been there before, uh, these trees are decorated by professional designers. They each have over $1,000 worth of decorations on each one of them. And the cool thing is the admission is free. People can just come through. It's going to be a gateway mall this year. We're going to have entertainment there, too, live entertainment, choirs and dancers. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And you know, I can't think of a better way to you know reach out and help somebody need this year than to come look at these trees and buy a Christmas ornament or a, a, one of our... Uh, Mugs are coffee mugs for 10, 15 bucks. You can feed three or four people for Christmas and have a wonderful time and help somebody at the same time. Yeah, it's cool. There's going to be a lot of opportunities there. And uh, you're going to you're gonna go where the crowds definitely are going to be there, Pastor Tom, on that Black yeah. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so if you're thinking about doing your shopping on those days, which I think almost everybody will do some level of, of shopping, make sure you, you get to Gateway. And it'll. I've seen the trees many of the years that you've done this, and they're beautiful. They're great. It really kind of gets you into that Christmas spirit right away. And then yeah. it sounds like you've got a lot of opportunities for people as well. It is. You know, it's it's just a lot of fun. Uh, I know there's a Santa station nearby. Great way to get ready for Christmas right after Thanksgiving. And, and like I said, uh, we're going to try to raise some money for the homeless for Christmas and so we can give them a great Christmas dinner. And, you know, raising money, we're just going to be selling these Christmas ornaments. They're beautiful. It's got some coffee mugs. And, you know, some people actually buy the trees. Believe it or not, last yeah. year we did this. We sold every tree. They all bought the trees. Someone... Uh, Looked at and said, I'm going to put that in my home. So it was great. Very cool. Well, uh, we'll see folks out of Gateway again. Uh, walk through the trees November 24th and the 26th through the 28th uh, at Gateway Mall. You can check out more at PCMLincoln.org. Look forward to it, uh, Tom. Thanks for your time. We'll check in next week, all right? You bet. God bless you. There you go. Pastor Tom Barber from the People's City Mission. Uh, anyway, um, just getting getting back to some of the Nebraska-Wisconsin stuff. Wisconsin's turned things around here during the course of of this year. Mm-hmm. You know, knocked off Iowa, beat Iowa pretty good. Uh, big win again last week against Northwestern. But whatever issues that they were facing at the beginning of the year, they seem to have overcome them. Will be interesting to see now what their mindset going into this game is because they're in a spot now. Where because because of everything that's happened in the Big Ten West, and you didn't really expect this when you saw how they started the season, but they're in a spot now where they're in the virtual lead for the Big Ten West, and if the season ended today, they're going to the Big Ten Championship to take on. Right now, it'd be Ohio State that could change, uh, but right now at five and two in the conference after winning six straight um, here, they six straight overall. Uh, they're going to be there. So, again, Nebraska's facing right now a team that's about as hot as they could be. Well, 
There are two teams that are 5-2 and two in the West Division and fighting for that division title. And Nebraska plays both of them. Yes. So, so Nebraska has a chance to spoil at least one. Maybe if you beat both, then Minnesota's able to sneak in on something. Because Minnesota's got the tiebreaker on Iowa. Well, Iowa just beat them last or, week. No, no, no. Yeah, it was the other. Iowa just. I, here, here's what per, you, here, Purdue. Yeah. Here's what you're going to have. Purdue could sneak up there too. Here's what you're going to have is Nebraska play Wisconsin. Iowa will be cheering for Nebraska as hard as that might be for them. <laughs> if Nebraska beats Wisconsin. Iowa will get back in the lead, and Wisconsin will be cheering for Nebraska against Iowa. But here, here is the potentially fun thing about this: if Nebraska can get and go, get it going, and I, that's an if. Okay, at this point, um, especially with the kind of the skeleton coaching staff that you've got here right now. But if Nebraska can get it going, you have got to a chance to put a big dent in the season of both of your biggest rivals. You've got a chance to keep each of them on consecutive weeks out of the Big Ten championship game, out of a chance for a New Year's Six Bowl. That's all possible. That's all on the table. From a fan's perspective, listen, with all the disappointment of this year, with everything that's happened, with uh, that's the best, that would be the greatest gift you could give me right now from where we are at Christmas, is ruin the seasons of Wisconsin and Iowa on back-to-back weeks. That's enough to motivate me as a fan to get into it for the next few weeks. Yes, it may just be disdain speaking. It may just be a little bloodlust. It may be, I've been through this as a fan. This fan base has been through this. Let's see someone else feel the pain at this point. But that's fine. That's part of what college football is about. Ruin Wisconsin season. Ruin Iowa season. Do it. Right. I don't care what the records are. I want to beat Wisconsin and I want to beat Iowa. You know, like, those fan bases have not been kind to Nebraska, regardless of what those results are on the field. Yes. And and those fan bases have had every right to be disrespectful off the field because of the way their teams have played uh, over the last decade against Nebraska. Um, Nebraska's only got one win against Wisconsin and has lost the last six to Iowa. That's not that's not great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just go beat them, at least beat one of them, so you can have that, that successful mm-hmm. feeling here in the last half a month, the last couple of weeks going into the offseason. Now here's what I'm curious about, Jack, and we'll see if we get any answers from Scott Frost um, around lunchtime today. No more kickoff time times. We, we know what our kickoff yep. times are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm curious if there are going to be more than Adrian Martinez playing at quarterback over these last two games. I know he. it's still going to be he gives you the best chance to win right now, but you also know you're coming back next year. Do you, do you know which way Adrian is leaning? Do you know if you want to get someone else more snaps, just more experience right now to carry into the offseason? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Frost has been, I mean, but he said... Pretty clearly, he believe you know whatever's going on with the other quarterbacks. He says he basically says, "Look, why would I ever play somebody that I don't think gives me the best chance to right. win?" Right, right. And so, will that have changed? Um, I don't know. I because because again, at that Purdue game, I would have given Smothers a, a drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I would have at that point. Right. It was hard for me to believe at that point that that wasn't the best the chance that gave you the best shot to win. Um, there at that point, so that's a great question. Yeah, and how many how many different players do you see than you've regularly? How much do they throw kind of some caution to the wind that they wouldn't have otherwise? And then the other question is, 
how difficult is it to do this with the sort of thrown together coaching staff? How does that impact this this game and the game planning and the game day stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, legitimately having guys in these positions that they just most of them have been in similar positions, but they haven't been in with this team. And you don't have the offense. You don't have the offensive coordinator, Lubick. Right. So more of it is on Scott Frost over these last few weeks. What what does that do to the play calling? Or do you just start to go, hey guys, we're playing we're playing with house money. We're coming back next year. Let's see if we can we can do something silly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, I, I don't know what the players' mindset is going to be. That's the hardest thing to, th- to predict about mm-hmm. these games. If these players are bought in right now to these last two games. There's no reason to think that they wouldn't play, you know, without without some of the pressure that seems to impact them so much mm-hmm. in close, tight games. Maybe you're able to shed that. If they come in mentally dialed in in these games with what they've done, how they played against the Ohio States and the Oklahomas and the Michigans and the Michigan States of the world, there's zero reason that they shouldn't be able to go out 2-0. and Yeah. Because it seems like what's been the problem is dealing with the pressure that comes along with tight games and the implications of tight games. A lot of that's gone. Mm-hmm. Okay? A lot of that's gone. So if that really was the problem, that mental block, you get rid of that and you, you find a way to get these players fired up because of who's on the other side of the ball, it's okay to have rivalries. It's okay to have college football disdain. <laughs> I think Nebraska could use a little bit more of it. To be honest, if they can find that, if things get fired up in that game, there's a little, if it gets a little chippy in those games, they, it's on the table at this mm-hmm. point. And what a shot in the arm that would give the program going into the offseason. Here's this for you, Jack. An unnecessary amount of optimism for you on a Monday. I've been seeing a lot of folks say that they don't think there's going to be enough six-win teams to fill out the bowl season. Really? I was, I've been... No one is talking about, literally, no one is talking about this. I've been wondering this. That's how Mike Riley got into a bowl game Mm -hmm. against UCLA in the Holiday Bowl. And and nobody had, and at least I'm not seeing a definitive list of that graduation success rate. Of the APR rate. Well, yeah. The one that came out in 20... It used to be APR, now it's graduation success rate. It's it's the same thing. Okay. but Maybe yes. that's why I can't find it. But yes, I'm not seeing a definitive list on where schools are on that. Cause bull might not be out of the out of the cards here. That's still. what I keep wondering. I, I, in fact, I tweeted Jerry Palm about this, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and he didn't give me a very helpful answer. But <laughs> I, I wonder every year that they come down to the it, sometimes they don't take them, but very often they take a couple of five and seven teams. And the prioritization of the five and seven teams goes to just to explain to people goes to that the used academic to be called the stuff. APR the yeah. academic stuff which Nebraska historically has been like in the thirties and forties in the rankings in mm-hmm. that. But you may say, well, that's a long way down, Jack. Well, you're only going against the other five win teams in that group, right? So if you're the top rated or top three rated five win team in that group, there's a chance mm-hmm. that you end up getting an invite. So. But, I mean, I haven't heard it zilch about that. And so, I don't know. I'll have to look at Jerry Palm's bull projections right now because he usually talks about it. Find some of the bull projectors and see what we yeah. can find out about that. Don't do this to me. <laughs> it would be such a good thing. Happy Monday. Well, you know what? Do you think they'd do it without an offensive coordinator? Yes. Think so? Yes. They could have done it last year and they didn't. 
Uh, there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes I've heard. They're, they weren't doing right. it last year. 724, we'll take a break. Sports is next on KLIN. Bragging rights are on the line every Friday during the tailgate with Picks of the Week. Presented by WC's South Sports Bar on 1499.3 KLIN. Man, Caleb sent me down. Sent me down. You know, you... I get easily distracted during the course of, like, during our break. Sometimes I'll start researching and reading about something or talking to people. And today it was the chances of a five and seven team to go to a whole game. <laughs> and, and I can tell you this: the uh, Jerry Palm, who prognosticates bulls for CBS Sports, he says right now, as it stands, you will have there are not enough bull teams, as Caleb correctly said. He said right now he's projecting three five and seven teams. We'll get into bowl games. Feels like a lot. I, including right now, he's picking two Big Ten teams in Rutgers and Illinois to take those. Mm-hmm. I I don't know I I don't know that you can say the bowl situation the bowl chances situation is a zero. Okay. We need to look more, and and the media always kind of. A few years ago, they forgot this during that Mike Riley year, and I actually went through and tweeted out all of the rules for the APR and everything, and then all of a sudden, everybody was talking about. It. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I kind of. <laughs> that seriously happened back in in uh, what was it, 2016? But gotta win the football games. I know. What are you doing over there, Mark? I'm just frustrated with a certain candidate that just announced. What you you front? What you got? What you got? This Patty Pans and Brooks thing, right? Yeah. Is that what you're just doing? Came, just came in the official announcement. We, we knew this was coming, though. We, we knew it was kicking off our campaign we knew tonight. It was coming, but I read the the entire release. It's uh, five thirty tonight. But there was a small paragraph in there that says, "Prior to tonight's kickoff, Senator Pansing Brooks is hitting the road to talk to media outlets in Norfolk, Columbus, and Fremont." Hey, welcome to Lincoln, Senator. <laughs> know if you know this mark but those areas are going to be a bit more of a challenge for her in this election than is lincoln i'm not sure if you've looked at the returns in this district's congressional races i think you ought to look at the lincoln vote uh, uh, i think uh, yeah I, my guess is that's the stretch strategy behind this okay uh, but nonetheless yeah she will be announcing uh, tonight which we expected was going to happen and then the only question is, who's she running against? Is it Fortenberry? Is it not Fortenberry? Is it the winner of a Fortenberry primary? We uh, So that's number seven. Patty Panting Brooks is number six. The seven things you'll be talking about today. <laughs> number five. We're operating a casino, a million bucks to get a license. It's a 20-year license. Nebraska Racing and Gaming Commission released the rules Friday. Of course, voters passed uh, uh, gambling in 2020. Um, Executive Director of the Racing and Gaming uh, Commission, uh, Tom Sage, said an industry consultant helped the state draft the rules by looking what has worked well in other states. Uh, All six current horse tracks, Lincoln, Omaha, South Sioux City, Columbus, Grand Island, and Hastings, have announced plans to add seniors. Okay, so so here's right now what it's looking like, the proposals and the licensed horse tracks that exist. As you mentioned, Lincoln, Omaha, South Sioux, Columbus, Grand Island, Hastings. Those are the horse tracks, okay? Yep. The the proposals, you got to have a track to have a casino. Bellevue, Garing, Kimball, Norfolk, North Platte, and York. Okay? And they they would add horse tracks with the obvious thought that you're adding a casino 
with it. Here's here's my thought on this. And I don't know how it impacts it, but the demand for horse racing on its own is not there to that level in this state. Okay? It's not there to the level for the existing tracks right now. Right. And you're going to, what, multiply that? And I know Lincoln technically has a, a, a racetrack right now, and that'll be expanded, but they're only running run one, one race a year at this point. You're going to double that? You're going to double that? Is there that much of a... And, and maybe there's enough appetite for the whatever else that they're offering, the slots or the sports books or, or whatever else. But, man, I there's a part of me that wonders if you really have... I don't know what your books look like, but that seems like a lot to me, doesn't yeah, it? Yes. Right off the bat? Yes. Especially with the horse rating, racing part of it. Yeah, it, I don't know what the appetites for the state to gamble are, but seriously? And... And I'm not even, you know, Bellevue and Omaha may be one thing, but Gehring, Kimball, and North Platte? But, yeah, I mean, they're right. <laughs> they're almost, well, let's see. They're about, what, three hours apart at the most? Three casinos? Yeah. And, well, look at here. Uh, Lincoln, Lincoln and York. Lincoln, York, Grand Island. Right. But that's not, I mean, and, well, shoot, if you're going that way, you should go the other way, Omaha, Bellevue. Well, yeah. You're going to have them, too. So... We'll see, but I, because you've tied the racetracks to the casinos, I really wonder if the state can support that kind of. I think what it that th- sort of racetrack, the, everything yeah. that goes along with that. My guess is that this is a way to keep the number of casinos down, because they're, they're, you're not going to have twelve horse tracks in the state. That's what if these all go through, they've got to have one. So, mark my words. Okay. You don't think all... So what you're telling me is all of these... All the proposals are Proposals not aren't going to be... That's you're saying that maybe that there won't be one in, in Kimball and North Platte and... Uh, I could see one in the Omaha Gehring. area. area, Maybe North Platte or Gehring. I mean, Gehring, Scotts Bluff out there further west. You know, but I just don't see that many. Can we start a feature, by the way, where it, it's just you giving life advice and it's called Mark My Words? Sure, wow, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, the Valians would love that. <laughs> Number four, Congressman Jeff Fortenberry asked the judge to move his trial date, to give his attorneys more time to review data. Uh, actually, eleven thousand six hundred plus pages of evidence, more than fifty <laughs> audio video recordings. Motion filed last week. They've requested a pretrial conference, February eighth. Trial date, February fifteenth. Of course, the charge is lying to the FBI and concealing information into illegal campaign donations. Okay, so the, the lawyers want the time. You got fifty thousand dollars or fifty thousand pages of of discovery, or eleven? Excuse me, eleven thousand. Eleven thousand pages of of discovery on this whole thing. So the the defense team is like, okay, we want to be ready for trial, so we want to push it back. Prosecution's like, that's fine with us. Yep. So it's going to be pushed back. Here's the issue politically with that thing, and I don't know what Fortenberry's plans are, if he's decided them or not, what he's going to try and do politically with this whole thing. But if it's then, you're running up against campaign deadlines to, to file and declare yourself as a candidate, as an incumbent. In fact, it would probably hit the same time as the trial then at that point and so there's a part of me that wonders if he's just going to say you know what that's it for me in the house 
I mean, at some point that was going to happen, right? Sure. At, at some point that that was. I'm sure, he want has got plans for, uh, outside of Congress. Here's here's my thing though. I don't think I don't think there are a lot of Republicans in the state who you normally would would have on your your short list of who might fill this spot if he didn't run. I just don't think people want to be in the House. I don't think it's a particularly attractive political pos- position right now for, for a variety of reasons. I wouldn't disagree with Number you. Number one, no. right now you're in the minority. Now that could change. Number two, you got to run for election every two years. Yep. Number three, you're a small fish in a big pond. Like, there's a part of me that just wonders all of the people you would think of, and I could rattle off names if you wanted me to, but they've got their eyes set on something else. The house is not the the draw that it once was, perhaps. And so, because I'm a little surprised you haven't heard anything other than Matt Davison texting me and saying he's not running. <laughs> yeah. So that, 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 the only bit of news that we've really got is that text I got from Matt Davison, and that's it. Well, uh, you know, it it's, was announced last week that Charlie Jansen is not running for state auditor, and Mike Foley is. He's throwing his hat back in the ring for that, so that takes him out of the, Foley's the, go- <laughs> uh, of the yeah, possibility of running for Congress. Uh, the governor will be term limited out, though. So He doesn't want to be in the House. I promise you well, he doesn't want to be in the I, House. I know he doesn't, but it might be a stepping stone for 26. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That would be interesting. Maybe. Maybe. Huh. I hadn't thought of that scenario. Number three. Successful weekend of Husker sports. So volleyball go 2-0. and Women's basketball stayed dominant. And Nebraska ball notched their first win of the season. Are you most excited this week for the basketball teams hosting Creighton tomorrow night or uh, volleyball hosting Penn State? Oh, jeez. Boy, that's a, that's a, <laughs> if Nebraska basketball wins, I'm more excited for that here at this point. Right. I feel, I feel a lot more confidence. Um, they had pe- volleyball at Penn State's number earlier this year. They... Uh, they seem to be kind of be coming together here right now. At and this volleyball's point. right there to win the champ, win the Big Ten Back championship. They're tied. It's, big, it's a big, big match. Lexi Sun seems to be picking up where we expected her to be, mm-hmm. and here it is. John Cook's five D chess, where he's getting this team to peak at exactly the right <laughs> time. I knew. I don't know why I ever doubted it. I don't know why I ever doubted it. Uh, but no, that basketball game against Creighton is really going to define Caleb. What the uh, what? Sort of the optimism level about this season is because you drop that again to Creighton, a, a, a Creighton team that, like Nebraska, has not looked good, particularly right. in their early season. You drop that one, and all of a sudden things seem a little different. Winning that just by virtue of re- winning against your rival, if you win that one, that first Western Illinois thing looks a little bit more fluky. It seems more kind of emotionally in the background. And so it's an early season. I mean, it's early season. It always is when these two teams play, but it's a really big game. Yeah, so I I am excited for the men's basketball taking on Creighton tomorrow night. You'll hear that game here on KLIN. Just to see if things are turned around for Nebraska tip, men's by basketball. The way, right? Yeah, so. six p.m. tip, five p.m. pregame. So you will not get a uh, drive time link on Tuesday or Friday when the men are at home with Idaho State. Okay. Uh, but I'm excited for volleyball when they play Penn State because one, anytime they play Penn State, seems like that's a great match to be at. Rivalry. The, the very first game I'd ever been at live was a five setter in 2019. So hooked immediately. I'm most excited this week for the women's basketball game against Creighton. Just destroy. Because people. they have um, one. They've got a 168 
point differential through three games. It's a school record over any three-game span. <laughs> but now you're taking on Creighton, who has made it a blue state. They've, they've had your number for a few years in a row. What is that measuring stick for this team? This tells me what Amy Williams' squad, kind of what their ceiling is for the rest of this regular season. If, if it is just you're beating up bad teams, but you're going to be mediocre against good teams, no, I don't think this Creighton is like a really, really deep team or a really great team. Um, they're not top of Big Ten good, but they're going to tell you where you are right. after this great start so far for Amy Williams. So, I'm most excited for the Wednesday game, Husker Women's Hoops at home with Creighton. Two wins for those basketball programs, and things start getting very basketball-y around oh, here. Oh, yeah, they, they do. Yeah, <laughs> this. I'll tell you what, this city... This city of this state, but this city especially, they will embrace a winner and they will embrace a winner quickly. I will change all the intros happening. to Round Ball Rock. It will get it whether it's whether it's the women or men or both, this thing will get if if one of them gets going and starts getting, you know, votes in the poll and that sort of a thing, this town will be tuned into that team and I hope it's true for both of them. All right, what number was that? Three? That's three. Number two, Colorado Governor Jared Polis frustrated about the CDC on their communication on the COVID-19 boosters. He was on Face the Nation yesterday and said, quote, I've been very frustrated with the convoluted messaging out of the CDC and the FDA, end quote. Now, they've limited booster eligibility to adults over the age of 65, adults with underlying medical conditions or who live in long-term care facilities, and those whose jobs or occupational setting puts them at high risk. But Polis went ahead and expanded that eligibility. He declared the entire state of Colorado at high risk for the disease. Uh, you know what? I I'll agree with him. The messaging, it has been confusing. There's so many the different categories, the different vaccines. If I don't know off the top of my head what it is, I can't imagine, you know, I'm in the news industry and the information industry. I can't imagine that the vast majority of people are super sure what the situation is unless they actively go out and really try and figure it out. So, I, why, why, I mean, that makes sense. Why limit boosters when you're trying to keep get people vaccinated? Absolutely. You know, just get them out there. Uh, totally agree. Totally agree. And, and again... Since I had Johnson and Johnson, it was a weird situation. You actually, we, I was knew I was eligible just because it was Johnson and Johnson and it was separate. But and, and you, it was it's convoluted for the for anybody else. Yeah. So anyway, I I, I think he did the right thing there. I wish uh, I mean, I, I, get them in people's arms at this point. Yeah. I'm and, with you. and of course, the, I mean, it all started with 15 days to flatten the curve. <laughs> seems 30 like, days to seems flatten like the curve. Years ago. 574 days to flatten the... You want a nice, leisurely ride on a sailboat around around the Florida Keys? Too good for one uh, tagger on her. Seven-foot python made itself at home on a vessel and a hundred-mile voyage. The snake was found in the boat's shower after docked on Marco Island Friday after a trip from Indian Key. Police uh, posted photos of a uniformed officer with the python coiled around his arm. It's not the first time it's happened. An eight-foot-long-plus python was captured on a boat in Coral Gables uh, back in May. So. This isn't going to surprise you guys, but I am terrified of snakes. <laughs> There's no one animal. You can give me any animal in the world, but I am more scared of snakes than any other animal in the world. And so that that is... Uh, that's hard to take. From Can me. you imagine 
going to step in the shower. And, oh, God. Oops. Oh, my gosh. My heart skipped just there. I don't, I don't know what it is about snakes, but. Well, of course, the. Can't the do snakes. Hey, it's better to be surprised by a snake in the shower than I, it is in the toilet. That's true. I'd rather have a, a full size alligator in there than a snake, to be honest. I'd rather have a, like, a, a lion or a grizzly bear in there than a snake. What was that uh, movie? Snakes on a plane? Snakes on a plane. Snakes on a boat. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. And of course. Got to get these bleeping snakes off of this bleeping boat. <laughs> and of course, the uh, snakes are, uh, you know, they're really a problem in Florida. They've been, uh, they're not native. They were released, you know, pets that got out and things oh, like that. God. And they've really uh, taken over. Very uh, dangerous to a lot of those. The Florida animal situation is out of control. And I know I this is coming from someone who says the Lincoln animal situation is out of control. But I'm just talking about annoying geese and cute-looking foxes everywhere. I'll take the Nebraska animal issues, even the occasional coyote. Above what's going on and pet pythons showing up in your shower, alligators in your swimming pool. That's terrifying. Might as well move to Australia at that point. 757. Sure. Have a crock. We need to take a break on KLIN. You're listening to Lincoln's radio home of Husker football, men's basketball, and baseball with a little volleyball and women's hoops thrown in. 1499.3 KLIN. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. It's 8-12, and that music means it's time to talk to Tim Herza about uh, what's going on in state, local government, what's going on in our lives. Are we the last bastion of keeping the Diamond Rio uh, hit song alive? I think they're coming back. I think we're. I think we're the. I think we're the first bastion of the second wave. <laughs> That's how I'd describe it. Oh, I love it. Hey, are you right? I, I, I'm, I'm telling you what, you've got to be, I don't know how you, you feel about this, but obviously we've got a very boring legislative session coming up because the Kilimanjaro bipartisan trip is going to mend every fence that existed between the competing factions in the legislature. And all of a sudden they're going to get back and like, we can climb a mountain together. We can solve any partisan debate that we've got. And boom, property taxes are done before January 15th. Boom. All done. You know, medical marijuana done before January 20th. They're going to adjourn before Valentine's Day. Yeah, I mean, climb, climb a mountain together. You can figure it out. Write for the editorial board of the Journal Star, and you have all of the answers to solving property tax reform, too, right? I mean, it's that simple. Now, there was an editorial this weekend that I just, yeah, rolled my eyes. <laughs> the editorial board's got it figured out. You hey, guys, come on, Senator. Listen, Tim. Just only do it. Editorial board that you, the only newspaper editorial board that is getting any scrutiny is Omaha World Herald's for endorsing the Scott Frost days. Yeah, yeah. Which, which by the way, people freaked out of that um, oh, because they well. did that. But here's here's my point on that. Okay, like I get newspaper editorial boards. There's no wastebasket over there. A newspaper. There editor- used to be. I was yeah, gonna. I was gonna chuck my coffee cup right behind me why. where where there used to be a trash. Newspaper can. editorial boards are a really outdated <laughs> deal, right? Uh, like. And they, they, we still don't really bat an eye, for the most part, when they endorse candidates and those sorts of things. But if you read, like you do evidently, read the editorial page um, and, and what the editorial board takes positions on, it's not just candidates. It's all kinds of 
like community, governmental, local questions and issues all the time. And so it was no surprise to me at all that the World Herald editorial board decided to weigh in on the, the frosting. Now, I think the timing is still really interesting with that whole thing, given it was like two hours before they they announced that he was staying. But <laughs> like the, the, the fact that they weighed in on that was just not... I'm surprised. Surprise! Well, like people like late to the game of the editorial board thing. Man, I don't know if I want to go down this road, but ah! we're here. Uh, uh, there's no KLIN editorial board. Here, here's no. Well, I mean, edit, editorial. I mean, obviously they're editorializing the news, right? So there's no question that it's an opinion page, right? It's a it's a piece written by a selective group of folks that. Uh, so, I mean, the Lincoln General Star editorial board, respected members of the community, on with with you know respected writers and journalists who are managing the paper. No no qualms at all. Like their purpose of existing and their purpose for writing that piece is to provide to synthesize the facts to analyze it and to provide an opinion on a subject and the subjects not I don't think there's subjects that are necessarily off limits I don't think the Scott Frost situation was necessarily off limits compared to that what doesn't bother I, yeah. I mean I, I heard your take when you were talking uh, on 1620 yeah um, with those guys like it, my reaction is not that's out of bounds for them which is basically what, what I said here's yeah. what I'm what I was critical about the Omaha World Herald's piece which is there was no there was nothing there except for we think it's the right move which isn't like that's totally different than what I what I want that group of folks to do to synthesize to analyze to break it down to tell me what facts are out there that I might be missing if I'm not reading every story every line of the paper every day right and I don't feel like they did that with this I mean the timing is super suspect of all of that like just kind of how it came about makes you Makes you roll your eyes a little bit, and I think that's fair. Like the should they write about it? I don't care so much. It's right. Look at this. Come on, get you know. Let's let's do this. Hey, right? I hear bit. something's gonna happen. Let's support it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that happens. Somebody told me that there's gonna be. A, there I were <laughs> there were definitely people in that organization that knew it was gonna happen. Because let's be honest. Yeah, they got. They, I I knew it was going to happen at that point. There, I mean, there are there were likely writers that had the the outline of the framework of what it was going to look like. I imagine Absolutely. that there are plenty in the media who had got. Caleb and I were texting and who had about been told, it. Who had been told not to release it until right? we were texting about it the whole weekend. Yeah, I mean. And we didn't go with it because we didn't have true confirmation from a news perspective. We would have had we done that, but there was a lot of smoke. We could have put out a KLIN editorial saying, we think this is the right decision, and then go, look how right we and, were. And if it were going to look like something, it would look like you this. Know, that's interesting, though, about media, because we do have, yeah. obviously, I'm opinion programming, commander's opinion programming locally, that, that sort of thing. But that's like having a, a columnist that has opinions, right? That's not a our leadership getting together and synthesizing the information and taking a position, which I think it made more sense when you didn't have access to all the information that we've got today. I mean, that was part, that's why it's a little antiquated, I think. Yeah. I mean, well, maybe a little bit. And it's also why it's, I mean, there are certain there are certain people that I talk to that really pay attention to those pages, both the, you know, the Omaha, the Lincoln, and I mean, Grand Island even publishes sometimes. They, it's kind of a weird reprint thing that's going on with the Independent and stuff too. But I used to read the Grand Island paper every day when I was working out mm-hmm. there. Um, so I, I think that there there's a certain group of folks in in politics, I guess, which is where I work, or in news media who pay attention to that, and probably a certain segment of the population that's of an age that the editorial board is something that you look to. I, my <laughs> 
people people I know don't read it, right? For for anything. Well, people um, are so ingrained. Where, oh my gosh, people are so ingrained where they are on the the deepest political things right now. I mean, their own family isn't going to change their mind. I don't know why some media editorial board would, but nonetheless. Uh, Patty Panting Brooks announcing today, does she have any chance to do better than uh, every other Democrat that's tried to run for the seat since 2004? Uh, that's an interesting question, and I think my answer is I don't know, right? So right. A, a Democrat hasn't won Lincoln, I don't even know when the, you know. Decades ago, probably. Um, obviously, Senator Panzing Brooks has been in the legislature for going on eight years now. She's been around. She's been in the Lincoln community. Um, whether she wins Lincoln, I think, is per, it seems pretty likely, right? So, um, Senate, former Senator Kate Bowles was the last one on the ticket. She, last Democrat on the mm-hmm. ticket. I, I'm pretty sure she won Lincoln fairly handily. She, she won, won Lancaster, Lancaster County. County. Yeah. Um, the, the real question in all of this, Jack, is is number one, how much does the indicted incumbent matter? Uh, Is the indicted incumbent going to be on the ticket? Um, Obviously, we're a long ways away from a general election where you have a Republican and Democrat on the ticket. So is Senator Panzing Brooks the the only name on the Democratic primary ballot? Maybe. Um, If so, like, you know, we're not doing anything with her until November mm-hmm. um, of next year, and then it's just a question of who gets through a Republican primary, whether it's contested. To me, there's a lot of question marks on um, on the the GOP side, whether or not uh, Senator Congressman Fortenberry runs, whether or not he's in jail, <laughs> like what all this looks like, um, or or if he's not at that point, is he running? Is it contested? Is there somebody else that steps up? Because right now, too, Jack, I know you mentioned it during your countdown. I haven't heard a name yet. This I'm is, surprised we're going there's on, not we're going someone on, who's declared yet. We're going on three weeks since since Congressman Fortenberry sent out an email on Monday morning saying I'm going to get arrested. You could be making so much hay right <laughs> I've now. Been, I've been indicted. Um, they're charging me with crimes. The grand jury is indicting me. If you're a Republican who wants this, you could be making hay. And and I haven't seen anybody make moves yet or um, start the fundraising effort or do any of that. So I, I don't know that there's a huge appetite to have a contested Republican primary. Because you saw, and we talked about this right when you got in here, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, too. Prosecutors didn't care when the defense made a motion. They were fine with it. The defense made a motion to push the trial back to February. Oh, yeah. That's probably oh, yeah. not where it lands. No, I think it's way later than that. So this is going to be hanging over the primary. At least the filing deadlines for the primary, but probably the primary. I sure would think so. Barring I mean, some kind of settlement, which doesn't sound like is happening right now. So, so you know, cards on the table. I have never practiced in federal criminal court Me ever. Either. I've never been. I've never been a defendant or a prosecutor in federal criminal court. Um, I've dabbled a little bit in criminal court when I was in private practice, and that it's pretty standard uh, structure. When 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 they came out and set a trial date of December, and folks were reporting that, right? The media is saying, "Oh, trial in December." No way. That's what I said. Like you just roll yeah. your eyes. They they you set a trial so date. Fast. You have to have a scheduling order. These are thing. These are hoops that you jump through. It's always going to get set. Set up. I mean, the defense at that time even said at the initial arraignment or initial hearing, initial appearance, whatever they call it in federal court, uh, flat out says we're going to be making multiple motions to exclude evidence, to exclude witnesses. That stuff doesn't get resolved. They all have to have hearings. They, they all, all have, have to have, have hearings. Briefings. Yep. There's yep. there's always there's a timeline. There's a briefing schedule where somebody puts out their makes their motion and puts out their brief, and then there's a response period before you even get in court to talk to the judge. Right. So I December was never realistic. I I don't think February is necessarily even realistic, but the fact that the defense is what asks for the continuance really kind of throws this into the slowdown phase, right? Mm-hmm. Because once 
typically, right, the right to a speedy trial uh, typically rests with the defense. So once a defendant waives that, makes that initial motion to delay and sort of waives that right to a speedy trial, then the ball's in the prosecutor's court to make sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so um, I I don't think it's going to happen by February. I don't think we'll have a decision. And the real question is, when that filing deadline hits in what mid February or March, whenever, yeah. uh, whenever it hey, is. One more political racist question for you. I I kept talking about how this gubernatorial primary through the GOP was going to be so interesting because it was going to be so crowded and and obviously you know you you've got the whole uh, Herbster Pillen thing, Herbster Pillen Ricketts thing essentially, and then and then you've got the Will Heineman, won't Heineman, then you got Lindstrom that's in it. So what I did not expect was another Republican to say, you know what, I want in too. What, what, Therese Thibodeau seemed, I mean, that surprised me. Did it Did it surprise people in politics, in Nebraska politics? Oh, yeah. I mean, for, <laughs> she, she started off being the candidate for lieutenant governor with Charles Herbster and then withdrew her name from that pending some, you know, other opportunities, I think was the statement that was was sort of made. Uh, She's going to run again. Yeah, I mean, it, and a couple of months ago, a month and a half ago, maybe, um, came out with a statement saying that she was looking at it, right? Um, had had finished up the sale of her business or something like that and was looking at running again. And it was like, whoa, um, sort of out of left field. I, I don't know kind of what's motivating that, except, hey, here's an opportunity to run, to, to be another voice in the field. I no idea what's what's going on there but apparently participated participated in a debate or a town hall or something with a couple other candidates this last weekend so um she's running she's in she's uh, in and now we still got to wait for Dave who apparently Don Walton says he's not going till January so but, I mean it's not it's it shouldn't be surprising though. Republic crowded Republican primaries are what we see in Nebraska. You get one shot at the open seat. If it's something you've always wanted to do, you get an opportunity to get your voice out there. And hey, you get twenty percent of the vote, and you're the governor. Yeah, but not right? with the popular governor already. As I mean, he's very clearly thrown his support in one way. I don't know. I don't know. Right, it's, n- it's never easy, right? Yeah, we're gonna. It's listen. not always money. Ideas win too. Sometimes. I'll so tell you what. Twenty twenty two GOP invest in podiums. <laughs> gonna need a lot of podiums, <laughs> big stages, podiums. Do people even want to debate nowadays? A twenty four. All right. Good to talk to you, Tim. Thanks so much. Go the only red. debates are at the uh, state <laughs> fair. <laughs> Primary's over by then. It's A twenty four on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. Foster. He's a five-time Nebraska Sports Writer of the Year. He asks the tough questions. But most importantly, he occasionally retweets Jack Mitchell. It's the Omaha World Herald's Dirk Chatelain. Inside baseball here. I just spent literally the last 10 minutes since we signed off the last segment with Tim Herza looking for the GPR. GSR. GSR. I'm so sorry I brought this up last hour. Graduation success rate. It is the new APR, which is academic performance rate, for purposes of bowl games. And back in 2016, I was the only one talking about this. People laughed at me. People told me to shut up. 
I talked about it after Nebraska lost to Northwestern. It was, I think, the 2015 season, right? Was that the year? Um, and I, I kept talking about it, and finally the, the rest of the Nebraska media caught up. They started talking about it, about Nebraska going to a bowl as a five-win team, and sure enough, it happened, and they won it, and Mike Riley went on to a great career at Nebraska after that. I have been doing the research that the rest of the drive-by sports media hasn't been doing. <laughs> and I can tell you this right now, and I'm going to have our next guest weigh in it on a second. Nebraska's graduation success rate is an 88. I haven't been able to find, because the NCAA's website is garbage, I haven't been able to find where that ranks exactly, but according to a press release by Nebraska, there are only eight... Te- well, let's see, hold on. Um... Tenth among public institutions at the Power Five conference level. Okay? I also have learned from reading bull projections from a lot of guys who know about bull projections more than me. They are thinking right now three, five, and seven teams are probably going to get into these bowl games. The three that are mentioned in the collegefootballnews.com rankings include Illinois, who's four and six. They have a graduated success rate of 90. South Carolina. It's a graduation success rate of 89. And then Syracuse, who would need one more win. They have a graduation success rate, ladies and gentlemen, of 88. The same as Nebraska. Folks, what I'm telling you right now is there's a chance. There's a chance. And I bring on Dirk Chatlin to break down the bull possibilities for Nebraska right now. It's what the entire state will be talking about in, in a matter of hours. Good morning, Dirk. How are you? Jack, all Nebraska has to do to be in the conversation is win at Iowa, at Wisconsin and beat Iowa. Like, what could possibly go wrong? What a way to turn around the story. And then all of a sudden, you know, you and me and Caleb are all in some tropical location like Shreveport or Boise or something like or that. Or New York. Or New York. <laughs> be amazing. Be amazing. This is really, though, this is a classic example of the lazy drive-by news media thank you that <laughs> thank just you. refuses to cover a positive story thank you i mean the the losing streak is old news the the new news is if you beat wisconsin and iowa in which you'll be considerable underdogs in each game uh you might have a chance to squeeze into the yankee stadium bowl come on it, listen, I would like hey, to go to some Broadway let's shows. Let's not forget. Let's not forget. Okay, that Bob Devaney kickstarted his right. Nebraska tenure with a bowl in New York in 1962 yes, against Miami. And if you don't think that there would be 16 look back stories at 1962, Bob Devaney, <laughs> if Nebraska goes there, you don't know this market. <laughs> <laughs> Led by none other than Dirk Chatlin. <laughs> That's right. I'm already working on the six thousand word oral history of the gospel. You might as well you might as well write it right now, so you guys can kick it out right away. That'd be and great. And if we don't use it, if we don't use it this year, we'll use it next year. Hey, hey, Nebraska is two and zero against teams from New York this year. So put a game in New York. That's an easy win. Hey. Unstoppable. <laughs> I'll, only, I'll only get excited when the World Herald editorial board writes an editorial that Nebraska should go to the Gotham Bowl. Oh, that, God. Don't <laughs> get me started. <laughs> oh, 
I had to do it. I'm sorry. I had to do it. Uh, Jack, how was your weekend? Nebraska <laughs> did not lose a football game on Saturday. It was good. I'm t- you know what? I've got I've got kids old enough now that we're starting to go and take visits to colleges during the weekend. That's what I'm doing wow. now, Dirk. It, wow, I'm I'm filling in behind you with the four basketball games in a 16 hour span, driving back and forth to Iowa Westfield oh House. Oh gosh! And uh, for by by the way, driving to Council Bluffs for the Elkhorn Basketball Invitational. If that makes any sense, <laughs> trust me. I know. I played. I haven't played, and I've <laughs> watched it, and I've given hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get into those games. Over last the years. Week we, last week we played in the Bennington Invitational at the Lincoln Kinetic Center. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. I, I'm telling you what, I will I will tell you what. It is so weird transitioning from high school sports to youth sports right now because I, I talk I text with my friends like I I was trying to find some of my friends to go to the Creighton game with me tomorrow night because I I wanted to take spill and all of them are like we got kids basketball all night all night long. all weekend they got kids basketball I, I'm like my son plays high school we never have basketball stuff it's yeah it's so weird how we do this no you go from having like sixty games a year as a twelve year old to like you know sixteen as a sixteen year old yep so that's what we uh, we had like. 14-15 last year. That was it. That was it. And no, which, very few which, might, which might be the way that it's supposed to be, Jack. Yeah, it may be. So this is crazy. It feels like like months have you know elapsed since last time we talked uh, in terms of in terms of all the news. Um, and so I've read what you've had to write on 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 the stuff. Um, but I just. I, I'm just curious what's been kicking around your head during this week of of Nebraska football with the the decision by Trev Alberts um, and then the the changing of the coaching staff. I'm just I'm just sort of curious to get your reaction to everything that's happened. Yeah, ra- random random thoughts here, uh, and I'll try to make them as efficient as possible. I was sorry I was sick last week. I literally didn't have a voice for like two days, and then I was coughing for like two days after that. And uh, I didn't miss doing actual work, but I missed coming on your show and. and participating Thank in our 20-minute 20 20 minute rant. Um, I, I think Nebraska did the politically savvy thing. Uh, the worst-case scenario would have been firing uh, Scott Frost before the fan base was quite ready for that and then hiring someone underwhelming and watching that person come in and do, yep. uh, even if they'd done equally well or even slightly better, I think it would have been uh, really it would have been divisive in a, in a, you know, perhaps way that you can't repair. Um, so I think, you know, it's wise to sort of put, put frost on warning that, uh, and, and not just put frost on warning, but, but make sure the whole entire fan base knows that this has to get a lot better in the next 12 months or else. Uh, because then if you have to make a change, you know, everybody's ready for it. So, um, I think this was probably the lesson that, that Steve Peterson wish he could have learned, you know, mm. back 17, 18 years ago, um, that w- with someone like that, who is, who's still a highly popular coach. I mean, Scott Frost is probably more popular than Frank Solich was at the time, but, uh, but you're always better, you know, <laughs> leaning, erring on the side of one more year versus one fewer year. The difference, of course, is that Peterson thought that every year that went by, you know, Nebraska was was losing its grasp on on national relevance, and at this point, you know, eighteen years later, twenty years later, uh, that's less of an issue because 
you know, it doesn't cost Nebraska that much in the long run to give Frost one more year. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's, it, like I said, it would have been really divisive had they cut him loose. Yeah. Um, and, and, and with the market out there, you know, you would have hired someone who wasn't, wasn't very exciting, uh, almost no matter how you did it. I mean, LSU, USC, uh, Florida, even those schools are not going to hire someone with a big name this year. There just aren't that many. Mm-hmm. There just aren't that many out there. So, uh, again, I think Nebraska read the room pretty well. Um, I thought the the coaching staff thing was bizarre in some ways. Like, I think Frost wanted to show that you know he was he was serious about changing, but to, to basically end the season two weeks before it's over, I thought was really strange. I mean, I heard the recruiting excuse and you don't want these guys going out on the road. The the reality is Nebraska didn't have much of a recruiting class anyway. So I just thought it was a weird artificial way to, to say, Oh, we're basically moving on to 2022 before, you know, before our two big rivalry games at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was unfortunate. I think you're seeing that trend all across the country right now where you know, schools are essentially administrators trying to get out of, ahead of a story from a public relations standpoint are basically, you know, they're, they're jumping in front of, of things before their natural end. I mean, Texas Tech situation is weird, and uh, I don't think it's good for the athletes, you know, Nebraska players to basically say, okay, we're going to fire all of your offensive assistants two weeks before the season's over. Hmm. Um, if, if you have any experience coaching running backs, Jack, you know, they might, they might use you down there. Uh, at the YMCA um, flag football level, the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's, it, like, I, like I wrote last week, it's not likely to work. I think everybody would be wise to acknowledge that this isn't likely to work. Um, but, you know, that, I, I think there is reason to believe that Frost could benefit uh, from, from more administrative oversight, more administrative support and assistance and, and ideas. Um, you know, I think the offensive thing is going to be really hard to attract quality candidates when everybody knows the situation, mm-hmm. no matter how much money you throw at people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they had to do something. They had to do something. And um, I think if, you know, if you come out in January and say, um, we're going to, we're going to, you know, bring in a new quarterback. We're going to, we're going to be a more physical, uh, a more physical, less less boomer bust offense. And Scott Frost is going to personally oversee special teams. I think maybe there's enough there to get excited for for twenty twenty two. I um I, I I really I really agree with you at least as it pertains to the part about why that why to make this decision right now and why the sentiment frankly of the of the state factors in um i th- that's why i was where i was I, I guess my question is what does that mean for next year how how does will that change next year um and, and what will it take for it to change next year and how do you factor in the fact that you've got a new staff coming in next year yeah, and so, how you look so at there's it there's lots of issues here and, and i actually think this decision might look considerably uh, – I gave you the rosy scenario where Frost, you know, changes the offensive identity and 
um, you know, takes a more active role in special teams. And but there's also a scenario where this looks like a worse decision two months down the road, and that that would play out if Nebraska loses a bunch of guys in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because they sort of see the writing on the wall, or or they don't want to be part of this again. Um, I think there's a chance you could lose some defensive assistants, you know, who who don't want to be part of a, a perceived lame duck situation. Um, you know, get out while their while their reputations are high. I mean, I don't know if Eric Chandler would do that, but but I could see you know some other guys on that defensive staff doing it. Um, it it's going to be tough because the um, you know sort of similar to this year, probably even more. All the all the the narrative, uh, not just locally, but even more nationally, I think, is going to be focused going into next season on, you know, Scott Frost on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be really hard. I mean, that's going to be sort of exhausting, I think, um, for yes. for Frost, for everybody around the program uh, to sort of fight against that perception. And they they better get off to a really, really good start. Yeah. I mean, it's, if, they, if they don't, you know, even more than this year when they lost to Illinois and panic levels shot up, you know, next year will be uh, will be heightened even more. What better place to do it than jolly old Ireland? Yeah, how about that? <laughs> what a what a weird place to uh... <laughs> such a Jack. Jack, let me let me put this scenario in your head. They lose by fourteen to Northwestern, and then they have like a nine hour flight back to Lincoln. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Oh man. Yeah, that will uh, that will be something. Uh, all right, uh, I appreciate I appreciate uh, your thoughts on that. I think it's very interesting. Well, of course, plenty to talk about with it for the coming weeks and and months and and a couple of games as well. And then my calculations on Nebraska's chances to still go to a bowl. But I do want to take just a little bit on on Nebraska basketball as we have a couple of couple of minutes left. Uh, what should Nebraska fans' concern level meter be after two games? Where I mean, frankly. The, the crazy thing is, they looked like a different team than they did in the in the the preseason, the exhibition games. And, and grant you, yeah, one was against uh, an NAIA team, but the other was against a Pac-12 team. And and the offense seems to have completely completely changed over the course of a week in this whole thing. And I don't understand why it's still happening. Why it's happening over and over again. I, I don't understand why Verge seems to not be able to uh, not be the guy to run the offense right now, but he keeps going back out there and and doing it. How worried should I be right now about things? Well, I think I think pretty worried. Um, <laughs> Great, you know this is a this is still kind of a mercenary basketball team, right? And you know it's it's hard to to get those pieces to go together when when guys are you know, here for one year or they're thinking about, you know, their next, their next step. Um, I, I have a, a blood relative who, who may or may not be my older brother who, who texted me over, you know, during that last game. Uh, and he was, he said, this is more disheartening than anything I saw on a football field. all season. Oh, uh, and it was just like, Oh my gosh. Right. I mean, because hard to believe, but because yeah, Husker basketball was supposed to be like the, you know that was supposed to be sort of the medicine for what we saw during football season. Um, but Jack, I, it just strikes me as a as a team that doesn't really know how to make winning plays. You know, they don't know how to share the ball. They don't know how. To, you know, there's a a loose ball rebound with three minutes left, and and nobody really goes for it. It's just like good grief. You know, they just they need somebody on that roster. 
um, preferably a guard actually, who who's just kind of tough as nails, and they don't really have it. Um, so you know, basketball seasons are really long. Things mm-hmm. can change. Uh, Nebraska might beat Creighton tomorrow night and and flip the flip the script uh, very quickly, but. But that was about as discouraging an opening two games as they could possibly have. And for our listeners that don't follow Creighton very closely, they didn't really like the world on fire early this season either, correct? Nope. Okay. Nope. No, they uh, you know they scored fifty one points against Kennesaw State. <laughs> um, so, oh man, is, who's going to score? This is sort of like one of those. Uh, you remember the the Dana Altman Doc Stadler? Yes. You know, yes. like a tug of war matches oh my at the Devaney Center. Yes. You know, I think uh, what Johnny Mathis hit a three or hit a jumper one year to win uh, like 48 46. Ola Dagonduro had a shot at the buzzer one of those years. Yep. <laughs> yes. I mean, this, this kind of feels like one of those, one of those Sadler game, or Ade games. Or Ade Dagonduro. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, I think it would be very, very good <laughs> based on everything else going on if Nebraska finds a way to win tomorrow night. Hey. I don't care if it's 37 to 36. Uh, if it's 37 to 36, Nebraska. You guys can all see me hanging from the stoplights in downtown <laughs> Omaha, 1995 style. I'm telling you. All right, Dirk. Thank you very much. It was good to talk to you. I'm glad you're feeling better. Hey, I'm really thankful you didn't ask me about kneeling during the national anthem. Oh, I mean, I just, uh... Hey, I didn't. Uh, I, it would have been <laughs> the first time it came up today, to be honest. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one. There you go, Dirk Chatlin from the Omaha World here at 855 on KLIN. KLIN and Broadcast House have immediate openings to join our team of media sales professionals. Visit the careers page at KLIN.com for more information and how to apply. NRG Media is an equal opportunity employee. Foster. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, thank you very much. Hey, quick uh, note from Chris Lofgren, Time Saver Traffic, Injury Accident, Highway 2 in Apple's Way. That's by the uh, Lowe's over there on Highway 2. Uh, so watch for slowdowns there. And I want to shout out at KLIN.com. Check out the holiday market if you're getting ready to shop already for Christmas. This is really cool. we got all local businesses, and we've got half-off deals there. If you don't know what you want to get, you need gift certificates or those sorts of things, this is a great place to do it. KLIN.com. Just go to the holiday market, and we've already got Black Friday-type deals right there at KLIN.com. We'll see you tomorrow. It's 9 o'clock. KLIN Lincoln.